Welcome, Rationalist listeners. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm here with the discerning Eddie Matthews. Hello, welcome back. Eddie, what are we talking about today? Uh, We're talking about our five favorite science fiction movies. I picked science fiction as a genre because this uh, this is Morgan's forte. He is a science fiction connoisseur, and I like science fiction, but this is like your thing, you know? I feel like we both have a pretty wide array of of uh, science fiction knowledge definitely yeah. we've seen quite a few movies so you told me top yeah. five i was having a real tough time i think i have like i've got at least 20 movies written down where i was like that that had there's wow, a case dude. there's a case i just made mine like kind of off the top of my head my, there's a case for for each of these movies and then yeah there's there's a few i even had to cut off that list so it was a tough one. This you know what would be friend. an interesting conversation? Um, what, what would be? Just as, just as a quick aside, is Groundhog Day sci-fi? I didn't Ooh. put it on my list, but I was mm. like, huh, that's an interesting... <laughs> so, okay, do you want to get into... That's a great entry into what exactly is sci what counts as sci-fi uh because i think what do you what movie do you picture not in terms of how quality is but movie what movie do you think of when you think of like science fiction what's the first thing that pops in your head the first thing that pops in my head is yeah. blade runner okay I, I think that's pretty pretty much definitely sci-fi i don't think anyone would argue with you against yeah. that i think and the, also yeah. uh for the sake of this conversation we're not going to talk about Star Wars. I feel. So I was just going to say I that feel like that's Star Wars is like it's its own it's not even like space opera anymore I would, or oh, it's just its own genre. It's I would Star almost Wars. say it's like more fantasy than science fiction. It's like its mm. own world that exists with its own rule set that doesn't really have anything to do with science. I just googled a couple science fiction lists and stuff and they had a bunch of Star Wars movies and that struck me as like strange and I think it's tough because there's there's only so many categories and I think that's why sci-fi can seem so capacious as a as a genre because anything that even remotely has to do with something that doesn't exist today is thrown into sci-fi but then also anything that's like not necessarily uh set in the current time period or the current like world or anything like that is also sci-fi and those are really totally different. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's also like one of the movies I won't mention in my top five, but like something like it follows, you've seen that, right? No, you haven't seen it follows. <laughs> no. Oh my Sorry. gosh. Uh, <laughs> I always get crap for, for having that exact reaction when people haven't seen movies that I like, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about like a, I guess, I don't know, a sentient, like demonic being basically that like stalks this woman so it's obviously not realistic but it's definitely not what you'd think of as a sci-fi movie but i'm not sure what other genre it would fall into um there's a lot like that so yeah we we won't mention star wars i I also saw jurassic park on there and i guess like i'm like yeah that that is science fiction but um i don't think of jurassic park as science fiction either not at all i think of it as an adventure movie yeah yeah exactly um, or action movie or whatever, you know. Yeah, it can be tough. What, what was the one you mentioned in the beginning? Groundhog Day. <sighs> That's tough. I mean, I would. I guess it's I mean, because I there's think no it's... science involved. It's more. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's sci-fi. I just think it's a fun, like, oh, is that, you know? I, I mean, guess it's... in the broadest possible terms. For me, I think of sci-fi as taking some. Uh, like human propensity that exists in this world and then having a technology or an occurrence accentuate that to its extreme and see how it affects this like alternate world that they create. I think, I I don't know if I would totally agree with that definition. I think that some of the best sci-fi does that exact thing. It's a comment on human nature using exaggerated elements um, or futuristic elements, but I think there's a lot of bad sci-fi that still qualifies as sci-fi that doesn't necessarily take that in-depth a look at human nature itself. Um, I guess like, mine would yeah. all have those in common. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, I think the best, we can talk about, well, this is not about just sci-fi, this is about the best, our favorite sci-fi movies in particular. 
Um, yeah, but I, I think there are a lot of movies out there that wouldn't necessarily fit into that mold that would still be considered sci-fi. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess if you were to take it at its... I mean, I think the definition's right there in the name, right? It's anything uh, to do with some element of science being taken out of proportion and fictionalized, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, not even necessarily out of proportion. A lot of, I think, a lot of the technology and ideas of older sci-fi have come to uh, come about and been put into existence. But it was um, taken out of proportion at the time those movies were made. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you looked at China today and you saw the stuff they're doing with facial recognition and all that sort of thing that is clearly something that would have been science fiction you know 10 years ago um, mm. but yeah it's more dystopian so you had a question about dystopian uh, films whether yeah are we are we gonna allow that in our list I think as long as it the dystopia which I assume it does has something to do with some sort of technology or some sort of pathway that led from uh, I think it counts. I don't know what other genre it would be in. I guess dystopian if you made it its own genre. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna say right now ruling is it counts. Alright, cool. And I think I know which movie you're talking about, but we can we can talk about it uh down the line. Alright. Yeah. So what do you want to start with? Are you going with so is this top five are yours in order or is it just kind of these are the ones that made the cut? Um I think they are in order. I okay. think it's probably right. more fun if they're in order. Yeah, fair enough. So I'll do it. There's, yeah. So yeah, let's do that. Okay. There's kind of a range in terms of why this these movies made it into the top five. Gotcha. Like the reason why they're there is kind of sometimes it's like they're fun, sometimes they're thought provoking. You know. Um. Do you want me to start with my number five? Let's give it to me. Give me number five. Annihilation. Okay. I was wondering if you were going to have this on your list. I had it on my extended list. Yeah. Um, I just think that... So it's a movie came out last year. Um, I think it was... Dis, it's distributed by Netflix. So yeah, it's on Netflix now. On Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got uh, Natalie Portman, Tess Thompson, Oscar Isaac. Uh, the premise is that there's this shimmer that... Um, is basically messing with the um, environmental. It's it's basically like morphing the environmental attributes of this um, like place in the south. I don't think they ever really specify, but it's basically like the bayou and you know the deep south. And um, it's basically this kind of bubble that's expanding, and everybody who goes in, uh, they never see them again. And so. Basically, it follows this team that goes in, and Natalie Portman's looking for her husband, who went in on an earlier uh, mission and then came came back under strange uh, circumstances. And so she's like uh, going in to to see what's what. And I just think that it's not a perfect movie, and it's got some problems and whatnot. And um, but the there are several things in it that I have never seen before in cinema. And I, I just love how ambitious it was. And I love how like much it just went for it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would say ambitious is the, the perfect word. Are we doing spoilers or not? I would say it's tough because nobody's probably, probably seen all of these. I would say, yes, we're going to do some spoilers. Because it'd be hard to talk about these movies without them. Yeah, so basically there's a scene where um, it, it comes about that everything in this shimmer uh, refracts with, like, everything else. And so, um, like, people start kind of, like, sharing elements or, like, their identities kind of start to morph, their bodies start to, like, um, you know, kind of... Uh, change depending on what they're surrounded by whether that's a plant or whether that's another person or anything and so um there's this one bear that essentially like attacks and eats one of the members of their team and then her last like gasp is what this bear like exhales and it's that kind of thing that i've just had never seen uh 
that anywhere in fiction. And it was just really just blood curdling and, and chilling and incredibly interesting to watch, you know? So there's multiple things in this movie that are like that. The final confrontation at the end that she has with this kind of like alien entity and the way that that goes. And I just thought it was really brilliantly done. Gotcha. No, it's, I it's like a, the whole, I like movie. the whole theme of self-destruction too. I don't, you don't see that terribly often in movies is like the central theme is self-destruction. I think science fiction movies in general are in terms of a genre, very good at kind of exploring in depth themes and especially themes like self-destruction that otherwise would not make for a great uh, film or cinema in, in other yeah. genres. Um, it kind of gives people a way of, of exploring these sorts of themes and emotions that you might not otherwise be able to tap into. And I do think Annihilation is, is great at that. It's, it makes you uncomfortable and it's supposed to. Um, it kind of reminds me, I won't use this in my top five, but it kind of reminds me of the way it makes you uncomfortable, sort of like the lobster. Um, I know oh, you're a fan. wait, does that count as sci-fi? I, so it's another, I would say yes. I, I don't know okay, how. well then that's in my list then. I'm going to redo. <laughs> I, Annihilation will stay at number five, but all right. <laughs> well, Move we can, forward, what's your We can five? just have it as like an honorable mention for both of us. Um, um, but yeah. No, I'm putting it on my list. I'll find a place. <laughs> all right, you go. Okay. All right, well, I, <laughs> all right, well, I didn't have mine in order, but I'm going to start off with, I'll try to put these in order. I'm going to go with, Something that strikes me as just the epitome of, of science fiction, which is something like Coherence. Have you ever seen that? The 2000? Uh, no. Is that like the low budget one? It's $50,000 budget. Um, essentially, the plot is this group of friends comes together for a dinner party um, this, the same night that this comet is supposed to be crossing over their town. And they all kind of, you know, have secrets from one another. And as the comet crosses over, so we decided we're going to do spoilers here. The they basically end up in this um, kind of mid dimension where there are a couple different versions of themselves at these different houses, and none of them are evil or anything, but they're all just trying to figure out what the what the hell's going on. Um, and it's a uh, it's really well acted for such a low budget film. Um, it's not like incredibly acted or anything, but for the low budget compared to other low budget films, it's, it's well done. The direction is terrific and it gives you a sense of unease and kind of dramatic clarity that I don't think you can get from a lot of other movies. Um, it's a real cloud pleaser. If you ever get to see it, it's I, like you said earlier, this is one of the films that I'm not sure it really taps into any deeper, emotion or human instinct but it is just great cinema and for a low budget movie um to kind of be able to use science fiction and vague ideas that everyone has kind of heard of but doesn't necessarily have to have an expertise in of like alternative physics and alternative universes and things and make it a coherent plot in a short runtime um, it's very well done. And so I give that my number five, Coherence, 2013 Sweet. film. Sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. My number four, B, Inception. Okay. I had that on the, the long list as well. Um, yeah. I just like, I love a good, um, I don't know. I feel like heist movies usually aren't this sophisticated. So I think a good heist movie, for me, it needs to be on top of another movie. So like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, heist movie, but also Western. I feel like for me, there needs to be like another kind of like element to it. Um, um, so yeah, I just think uh, this concept is, I mean, borrowed from Borges, but... It is a really cool idea. Um, it's a really cool cast. It's fun to watch. Um, basically, for anyone who hasn't seen Inception, it's Christopher Nolan, 
2010 movie, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is leading this team of people who are like infiltrating this guy's dreams to try to find, um, to try to embed an idea um, that they get hired to embed. And so the kind of the dream world and the way they navigate in between layers and dreams within dreams, um, all that's like just a ton of fun. It's again, not a perfect movie. There's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of like, uh, you could probably cut a half hour from it and it would be a more watchable movie. Cause right now it's just like, when you watch Inception, you're like, okay, I got to sit down and watch Inception. You know, it's like kind of a big, it's like eating a three course meal. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, it's a very kind of, um, just interesting movie to to watch and tom hardy's great yeah so it's just more fun i think it gets less thought provoking mm -hmm. the more times you watch it <laughs> it's kind of has a reverse in in that respect um it kind of the i don't think the kind of world the rules of the story world really hold up to a ton of scrutiny but i think that's okay too you know um, I love Inception. So, I think yeah, that, as you said, I think that it's almost become kind of like satirized so much that people forget how great a movie it is uh, because it, it is so unique and dense that people kind of have an idea of what Inception is more than they've actually gone back and watched it. Uh, it's a terrific movie and the acting in it yeah. is great. And the storyline, even though it's very complex, actually holds up to quite a bit of scrutiny. I don't know if the, like the world, like you said, would, kind of a more in-depth view. You couldn't really set other movies in this world and have them hold up to kind of the a more thought-provoking analysis and more realistic analysis. But the movie itself is, is very well-made. Um, and yeah, just a, a great, I don't know what you call it, sci-fi thriller. Pretty much all sci-fi pretty much has a second tag to it, the second genre, um, because science fiction is more a way of getting at other genres and new with new angles. I would say science fiction adventure, science fiction heist. I guess you said heist. Is heist its own genre? I suppose so. Okay. All right. I like I it. Guess, science fiction yeah, heist. It's its All right. Genre. My, so, um, what's your number four? My number four is one of my, my all time favorite movies. Uh, something that I think is, is severely, Severely uh, underrated. It's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> no way. That was like, <laughs> no, that was the. I'm, I'm oh kidding. gosh. I'm kidding. Oh, I thought I for, in my head for some reason I thought you said Temple of Doom. <laughs> no, no. And so I thought that I didn't immediately get the joke because I was like, oh, Temple of Doom. Yeah. I know there's some people that really like that. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. No, there's nobody that really likes the Kingdom of the yeah, Crystal no. Skull because it's a, it's a garbage film. My other movie I was going to use for the joke was Prometheus, but I would I would end up on a rant about how much I hate Prometheus again, and uh, we've done that before. Oh, I thought so you. I'm not yeah, going okay. to subject, li subject our listeners to that. Um, so the actual number four I'm going to go with is The Thing, John Carpenter, 1982. Yeah, haven't seen it. Have you ever no. seen that? Oh my gosh, man! It's, it's like uh, it, it, it's really suspense first, and then science fiction second in terms of genres. Um, but it is one of the all-time great suspense movies, and Kurt Russell is terrific in it. John Carpenter is a legend in both horror and suspense. Um, it's about in a group of American researchers at an Arctic research um, center that come across this Swedish, I believe, research center that's been kind of blown up um, and kind of torn from the inside out. And they, they take in this dog, and it turns out that it's, it's sort of a, got an invasion of the body snatchers type um, alien in it that can take the form of, of other kind of sentient beings and act like it's, it's um, that person or that thing. Um, and, but it's the thing that separates it from all those movies is the set pieces that it has and the way that it builds tension between the characters and you not knowing who exactly is human and who exactly is that thing. Um, if you're trying to have a kind of a deeper look at it, I think it's, it's more about kind of humanity itself and the self-destruction nature of, of humanity and what we're willing to do to sacrifice for the whole, um, but overall, just a terrific film. There's actually it's actually a remake of a 1950s film, and there has also been a 
second remake that was made in the 2000s um, that was set more as a prequel but still called The Thing. So you have to make sure you watch the, the Kurt Russell 1982 version. But highly recommend. Wonderful movie. Uh, one of the best suspense movies of all time. Cool. Yeah, wasn't expecting yeah. that one. Um, yeah. Number three is one I actually watched a couple days ago. A little rewatch. Uh, Ex oh, yeah? Machina. I got two Alex Garland Terrific. movies in my top five. Wow. I, I had Ex Machina as my number three as oh. well. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll switch it out for something. No, we can. You can, you can give us the, the run. Oh, either way. Um, so basically, the plot's pretty straightforward at first. Um, I think that's maybe why I like this movie so much is that the exposition is very gradual and it's very natural mm-hmm. and it's kind of part of the progression and the flow of the movie. It's not just what my friend James hates about Inception is he's like, oh, I hate Inception. I was like, how can you hate? He's like, it's all exposition. <laughs> it's like an hour of exposition. I was like, ah, fair enough. But with yeah, Ex Machina, and it's a cool, the reveals of Ex Machina are, are um, just really artfully done. I like the structure of the different like sessions that he has. Um, so anyways, the plot of the movie, this programmer gets you know selected as part of um, this competition. Uh, he wins this competition and goes to uh, basically the equivalent of like Mark Zuckerberg's house, right? It's like this uh, fictional company called Blue Book. He's like a, a much cooler version of Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. This fictional <laughs> company called Blue Book, who's like essentially a Google search engine. Um, mm-hmm. And this guy is like the whiz kid founder. Um, now he's like in his 30s, but he, you know, invented it in his 20s. And- it blew up and everything and so um but he's a mysterious fellow he lives on like you know hundreds and hundreds thousands and thousands of acres of his own estate and he's like the only person there and so he has to get helicoptered in anyways and he's going to spend a week with this founder um for some kind of unknown project and when he gets there to his um estate and he gets to the house um he it turns out that he's going to be the guy who won it Don, donald gleason's character who won the competition mm. he's going to be the human element of a turing test for an artificial intelligence um and the turing test being like if artificial intelligence um if a human being interacting with it um doesn't know that they're interacting with ai and not another person then the artificial intelligence passed the Turing test. Um, is that a fair definition of it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's what he um, thinks that he's going there for, and he meets this AI, and he's really taken with it, and then things uh, get more complicated. And uh, there's just I, I think I like interior movies like that. Um, so it's a very kind of small movie in the sense of like there's one set of the house. And yeah, it's a really, really cool house, but yes, it is, it's only set within the And house. I just think Oscar Isaac's performance in that movie is probably like a top 10 favorite performance for me of like any movie I've seen. It's just somehow so believable to me that a guy who um, w- invented that would have like a big beard and shaved head and be all like into kickboxing but at the same time you know it just like kind of like lounges around in his basketball shorts and programs and like manipulates people i just for some reason that charisma that he has and brought to that character it just is so captivating to me the complete overconfidence yeah i think a a less capable actor which is most uh they would have had a trouble with with that role, but he really all three of the the main actors in that movie are terrific, um, and it's it's really just three three individual actors the entire film. Oh, four four individual actors the entire film, um, and I don't think it really would have worked without great performances from all four of them. But yeah, Oscar Isaac's is the one that stands out as being the one that kind of adds the electricity and the the kind of impetus for the rest of the film. Uh, it's it's a terrific movie, and it's also on Netflix, I believe, still. Um, for all of our listeners out there who are like, yeah, these guys have great taste in podcasts. They must also have great taste in movies. Yeah, I think it just like it starts out as one movie and then changes to another movie and then changes to a third movie. And like in the sense that um, you're kind of like, whose movie is this? Like, who is the protagonist? Yeah, I think yeah. is a good mm-hmm. 
it's uh it's not immediately who you think it is and i think that's an interesting yeah it's an interesting one what's your number three and you so you've named two movies by the the same the same uh director then yeah alex garland um yeah i just think the guy does such interesting um i haven't seen he wrote the adaptation for never to let me go uh, which is a novel by Kazuya Shiguru that I read recently. Yeah, I've seen it. And uh-huh. the novel is, like, just devastatingly good. Like, it's probably one of the best five novels I've read in recent memory. It doesn't... I watched the trailer. I'm like, I'll definitely watch the movie because it's, like, Ishiguru and Garland and, like, there's a lot of... And I like the actors in it. The trailer for the movie, and I think the source material itself doesn't strike me as terribly adaptable to screen. I have not read the book, but I've seen the movie. Um, it's good. I mean, it's okay. also, like you said, I mean, it's not a movie you'd want to watch if you were like in a great mood and you wanted to like keep the party going. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a pretty damn it's, sad No, film. it's melancholy. Um, the book's melancholy too. It just, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good film. I'm not sure. It's always tough to live up to to a good book, but uh, oh, there's just different. Yeah. No, it's, different uh, media. You got to give it a give it a shot. Give it a oh, shot. Oh no, sure. I'm definitely looking forward to it. What's your? So are you gonna? Yeah. It, so are you gonna swap in something else for Ox Machina? Or yeah, I'll by? bring something else in. I'm trying to figure out what we. I had so many movies that could have been like, like these spots, you know. Um, I'm gonna throw in something just from a different science fiction drama. Uh, I know you've. Have you ever seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Yeah. Uh, and have you seen her? Yeah. You have. I know you've seen her. Which one would you prefer? Well, we can talk about either one of those because they're similar. They're the more like dramatic version of kind of romantic science fiction. Um, for some reason, her strikes me as sci-fi, and Eternal Sunshine doesn't. And that could just be that Eternal Sunshine's by Charlie Kaufman, and Charlie Kaufman. I think of <laughs> as just his own thing, you know? Like, I think of him as more absurdist, I think. Um, but, so let's talk okay, about her. Okay, we'll talk about her I, then. It feels I, I, would just, I think Eternal Sunshine, I agree about Charlie Coffin, but, uh, like, Inside John Malkovich, I, would, I wouldn't put that on as a science fiction. But I think the main technology in yeah. Eternal Sunshine on the Spot is Mine is very much sci-fi. But, yeah, her is... Yeah, yeah you're right, you're right, John you're right. Malkovich. <laughs> I think I think inside Sorry, John that's an is a special. very different it's, movie that <laughs> most of us I'll haven't it, I'll seen. I'll link it to the pod. Don't even worry; it's brilliant stuff. Uh, let's just <laughs> it'll say take it's you to some dark areas of the internet. Uh, you're gonna need parental. <laughs> um, yeah, Spike Jones, um, Jonesy, uh, Walking Phoenix. I mean, quite a pairing to begin with. Um, I know. Charlotte Johansson was like touted as possibly being the first actor to ever be nominated for an Oscar without appearing on screen. Um, it didn't end up happening, but that's how great her performance was in the role as the artificial intelligence operating system that goes along with uh, kind of an iPhone type uh, product. Um, I mean, what would we want to say? It's basically a romance between a man who has a broken heart and an artificial intelligent uh, computer that is able to kind of keep him company while he goes through a really rough period in his life. I think that the the thing that makes her so much better than a lot of other kind of dramatic science fiction films is the way that it does exactly what you were discussing earlier. It kind of touches on so many of the human aspects of romantic relationships and uses the science fiction elements, the Charlotte Johansson's character, to kind of draw out what humans need from a relationship and what we actually, what we're looking for versus what we actually need and how we go about that, what is healthy, what is unhealthy, and doing it in a way that is not contrived but is actually really beautiful. Um, it's a gorgeous film, uh, cinem- cinematographically, cinema- how would you say, what's the word for that? The cinematography is terrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the script is amazing. Yeah. Um, the direction's great. It's just a, an all around, like a very melancholy, wonderful film. Yeah. I think that was something I was going to mention too is that if you wanted a movie, if you were, um, if you had an apartment in the arts district of LA and you were inviting a bunch of arty types over 
and uh, the power was out except for a projector, that would be the perfect movie to like play on the side while you're like mingling with wine <laughs> on uh, on like no audio just for to like set the mood. I like it. I can picture it. I think so if you ever find yourself in those circumstances, <laughs> if you find yourself in those circumstances, just put on. I've heard we have a we have quite a large artsy LA not great electricity in their apartment contingent of our viewer base. So this is uh, it's actually some great advice I think that our listeners will take to heart. Yeah, um, yeah. I think just. Uh, I mean, I could watch. I I just watched The Master for the first time a couple of nights yeah. ago. I could watch any Joaquin Phoenix movie. Like he just elevates the entire movie because he's such an interesting person to watch on screen. Um, he's one of the best living actors, no no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see him in the in the new Joker movie. Um, because yeah, like you yeah. said, I, I would if you, when I heard that movie was being pitched, I was not into it. And then they cast Joaquin Phoenix, and I was like, okay, you have my interest. I'll watch the trailer. <laughs> I'll probably watch it now. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Also, this is just kind of a side note, but. They, the way that they depict a future technological world and don't get sidetracked with stuff that isn't important to the story is really, really like transportation. You don't really see any much transportation. He takes a train once, but Mm. you don't see flying cars. You don't see like, it's all very subtle except for the main thing you're supposed to be focusing on, which is everybody in their like AirPod you know, um, type. Everyone has basically the equivalent of like an AirPod in their head that is their phone, essentially. Um, in their ear, rather. Yeah. And so I think the way that future technology is depicted is just is really refreshing in it. And like they email back and forth. They're not like send, you know, like a, a strange other name for a text. Mm-hmm. It's just none of they don't make any of those missteps and it's cool to see they they do a great job of that kind of world building realism in uh, black mirror as well i know it's not a movie but i just wanted to comment on that is something that i think black mirror does very well there's always the main technology in some of the futuristic ones but there's always kind of secondary technologies that help establish the fact that it's not like the same world in the future where one thing has changed and everything else is the same because it it's hard to stretch your credulity when you're you're dealing with such futuristic technology. Yeah, definitely. Um, my number two is the lobster. Once I knew that we could use it. <laughs> well, okay, well, for, we'll talk about the lobster here in a second. What did you kick out to to bring the lobster in? Uh, so I shuffled it a bit. Okay. I had I had Edge of Tomorrow at number Ooh, four. Okay, yeah. And then and then I bumped Inception down to four, and then Ex Machina down to three, and then. Lobster number two. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, give us a. I, I don't even. Yeah, I thought you might have the lobster on there, but uh, it is one that is in between genres as well. But I think I think it's definitely sci-fi. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's sci-fi. So, I watched. I mean, this this could be like Yorgos Lanthimos, the Greek director, is kind of like a Charlie Kaufman situation where he is his own genre. Yeah, and so yeah, it's. yeah. But um, the lobster. I watched it a few nights ago again and. I like wanted to text someone. I was like, "Is this the greatest movie ever made?" <laughs> you should have like, texted I just, me. I'd have confirmed. I would have been I like, it's top, like, "It's top ten for sure." It's just uh, the f- every every shot is well considered. Every line is like really well constructed. It's very like elliptical. Uh, the performances are really interesting and like flat, but they're knowingly flat. And then the times when they're not flat are, are very interesting, you know, and kind of sparks. Um, and so, uh, like Colin Farrell's performance is unlike any other performance I've ever really watched, you know? Yeah. Colin Farrell. I mean, I, you know, I have a huge soft spot for him and this is, I don't want to, it's his best acting performance. I would say. I would say that too. Um, And so basically the premise is uh, (laughs) it's this, it's the, it's this world where there's a hotel in the countryside outside of the city and the city 
it's pretty much London, right? But they never refer to what the city is. But I take it as before you give us the the full breakdown. I just want to read the one sentence summary that the that Google gives for the lobster. Yeah. In a dystopian society, single people must find a mate within forty five days or be transformed into the animal of their choice. Perfect. Boom. And so it's called the lobster because uh, if Colin Farrell doesn't find uh, someone to be with, uh, he chooses a lobster to be turned into. And so basically part of the um, – you can't just be with anybody because then it would be really easy and um, you know there would be no threats uh, that the hotel would offer. You – in this world – you have to be, and this is like monitored and policed yeah. in the city. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to be with somebody who has um, a likeness to yourself. And the likeness has to be something physical. So if you both, um, there's one lady who like has perpetual nosebleeds. And so another guy um, like beats his head against like walls and books and stuff to get nosebleeds so that he can have a likeness with her and be paired off. Um, and so it's things like that. If two people, you know, are both short-sighted, if two people are both, you know, whatever, have a limp, etc. Um, and so you just see kind of this weird hotel uh, where everybody is vastly aware of the consequences. And then you have, as... In every dystopia or every dystopian I can think of, you have the kind of rebellious force um, that's uh, threatening the the authority and the establishment mm-hmm. of, you know, this uh, tyrannical rule. Yeah. And that rebellious force is, is like funny and interesting and tyrannical in and of itself. But, but the other extreme, and I just think the reason I like it so much is what it kind of says about what we I, I guess about cultural norms surrounding relationships cultural norms surrounding couples um there's one part where they're saying like you know and if after um two people find um another and are paired off if they continue fighting they're assigned children that usually helps <laughs> <laughs> like that usually helps them stay stay together yeah, and, yeah. and stop the fighting yeah. is is, is and they actually get assigned like children in this hotel. And so I think the kind of the satire of it and um, I just, the performances are really interesting. It's just like an impeccable movie. I agree. I mean, it's uh, the, the way that it skewers pretty much every aspect of modern and modern relationships is, is terrific. Most movies would focus on one portion and do a much worse job uh, critiquing it. He focuses on every aspect and does a terrific job kind of bringing out the intricacies and the the depths of, of kind of human uh, desperation that present themselves on all sides. It's it's a wonderful movie. It's a hard movie to recommend because it's uh, it's not for everyone, but uh, if you are into sort of – it would be hard to even make a parallel. I guess Charlie Kaufman, like you said, would be the closest, but you kind of – I would say give I think- it a shot. <laughs> I think I could count on one hand the amount of friends I would recommend. Yeah, it's not a. I, I struggled. The only reason I didn't even put it in my top five was because I, w- I was like, okay, it's kind of a recommendations list. And if our viewers choose that one, they might just like disown us from the pod. Uh, they might, we, oh, I don't care. I know. It's uh, we're, we're truthful. I enjoy it. Um, it's a wonderful movie. Um, one of the best science fiction movies ever made, no doubt. Well, probably one of the best movies so ever good. made. Um, so yeah, good. and Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz, and yeah, it's a wonderful movie. All right, my number two. I, I'm really struggling here because I've had to shift around a couple. I think our number ones are probably the same. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to keep that one for next time, and I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with – I feel like I should do an older one. I did the thing already. All right, I'm going to go with Snowpiercer. Oh. Have you seen that? Yeah, I thought it was fine. I wasn't a huge fan. It's a, It's also sort of an absurdist take on kind of classist relations in the modern world. Um, the idea is that actually the the director Boon Jun, Bong Joon Ho just won the Palme d'Or um, for his 
Oh, for what? I forget the name of the movie. It's called like The Family or something like that. But another science fiction film about uh, class relations. So he's sticking on brand. He's one of those guys who's been, you're like, you're going to get there in terms of he's going to win Best Director at some point. I mean, I would, uh, there would be a lot of people that argue with you that the Palme d'Or is probably more of a coup than, than winning Best Director. Um, but yeah. Like winning Palme d'Or is a better. A lot of people will say that's the that is the accomplishment in film. Maybe like Tree of Life won Palme d'Or, which was great. But then like The Square won it two years ago, and that movie sucks. <laughs> the Square for the which? What are you talking about? The Square is a I think it's a Swiss film. Yeah. Um, and it's set in I think Paris, and it's a museum. Uh-huh. Have seen that? I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's. I was expecting it to be yeah. really interesting, and it, it sucked. Anyways, yeah. um, move. Oh, it's called Paris. It's called on. Parasite. Sorry, Parasite. Okay. It's, a, it's yeah. Oh. But it's the same type of thing. Um, I think it's a, kind of an invasion of the body snatchers type situation. Um, but yeah, he was the first director, first South Korean director to win the Palme d'Or. Um, nice. but yeah, I mean, Snowpiercer is is. It seems like kind of a low-budget science fiction film, but it's made to seem that way because it is kind of fantastical and unbelievable. Um, it's it's more of a satire on social relations and uh, the way that we all kind of contribute to a system that is really what's driving a lot of, of problems and divisions in the world today. And I think that's that's what some of the best science fiction does is it takes – this is almost the opposite of – the kind of more subtle science fictions that we, we might have mentioned where it's one specific thing changed that shows uh, a spotlight on some sort of human behavior. This is almost changing the entire world to bring out what the essentials of human behavior are. And I think that uh, that's what's interesting about it. Um, he's obviously got a very Marxist view of, of the world, um, and you could critique that or not, but I think it's a, it's a very clever uh, satire of the way that the modern world works um, in a very kind of fun, action-packed adventure film. Nice. Yeah. There's so many other ones. I, I uh, almost went with Moon. I was torn between Moon and Snowpiercer for the number two. Um, I should, it's tough to decide between Chris Evans and Sam Rockwell. But, uh, yeah, I'll have to mention all I'm the ones. I'll guy. have to mention all the ones I have on the list uh, later on. But what was, your, what was your number one? I have a feeling it's the same as mine. Yeah, number one for me too. It's, man, it's like, where do you even begin? Um, I mean, if this was just a list of, the if this was just a list of movies, not science fiction movies, would it still be your number one? It might be, uh, it might be number one. That's how, that's how good this I just think is. It, it's just so moving um, to me. It surprises and me how many people have not seen Children of Men as well. It was ahead of its time, you know? It's true. 2006. It's a while. 13 years ago. Yeah. I think it might have gotten nominated for some of the major um, awards. I believe it won Best Original or Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay, one of the two. Okay. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I just, it, um, it took me a long time to watch mm-hmm. it. I think I only watched it for the first time a few mm-hmm. years ago. But So it's a dystopian world where um, people can no longer reproduce. And so the youngest person in the world is like 19. Um, And that's the world that we are, you know, kind of first enter into. And so, um, well, we're doing spoilers. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to say before we spoil this, if you haven't seen the film, go watch it right now. I know I'm not supposed to direct viewers away from the pod, but. Turn off the, turn off the pod now. Turn off the pod and go watch Children of Men. All right, continue. Um, so yeah, Clive Owen is um, kind of the kind of what we call a reluctant protagonist, right? Yeah. He kind of gets dragged yeah. into something that he's not um, doesn't necessarily a cause that he doesn't care mm-hmm. about and doesn't believe in anymore. And so um, yeah, basically the this uh, there's kind of some vague like tensions and wars going on that you don't ever really find out about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like the the broader conflict, you kind of just hear things referred, but it's a very kind of like nuclear look at the resistance, you know, kind of force, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And then 
uh, at the like the politics within that yeah. um that little group and so basically they find um a young woman who is pregnant and it's everybody's fighting over her because it basically becomes like a symbol but nobody knows that she exists right because they're keeping it under wraps and they're trying to figure out what to do with her and so this pregnant woman um you know bearing the first child for 19 years you know in the world yeah. becomes like a really highly valuable asset to whatever kind of political movement is is jockeying for a position you know um but if it sounds kind of um very like i don't know this strategic political men in suits movie making decisions it's not that at all it's a very like gritty on the ground more of a heist movie and um and just the britain that is uh, depicted in the movie is a really fascinating kind of like set design piece the cinematography i think it's by um emmanuel lubeski who is the best cinematographer in the world uh, in my opinion mm. and i think probably most people's opinions um it's directed by alfonso coron who's won two best directors now for uh gravity and roma and so um, don't forget prisoner of azkaban dude yeah he, he directed <laughs> prisoner of azkaban um he's just he's just he's a genius like he's just a visual genius and his visual language i think is really interesting uh it's my favorite michael kane performance so all those michael kane heads out there um what do you like about it i think it's a yeah i mean it's it's a absolutely wonderful film um i think that the tension and the the drama mixed with kind of the exasperation of the human spirit at its at its worst uh like like snowpiercer i think it kind of takes the world and transforms it in a way that kind of doesn't comment on one specific human quality or one specific human trait like some other science fiction films do but comments on what it means to be human in general um i think the general conceit of the plot goes a long way in setting that up but the actual acting cinematography directing are probably the best of any science fiction film i could think of i mean christopher nolan is it's hard to contend with in those areas but this film the gritty realism that it brings to a science fiction world is something that is both an experience and something that allows you to engage with these characters in this story that otherwise might seem a little too hard to relate to um yeah yeah, I mean, uh, I can't say enough good things about this film. I think that as a as a drama, as a science fiction piece, as an action movie at different points in time, it's just terrific. Yeah, Julianne Moore, for her, like, for whatever reason, they just have really, really good chemistry. And, like, mm. she's an incredible, like, performance in that, even though it's a ends up being kind of a small role but has like an outsized impact yeah, on the movie yeah. um you just don't see many science fiction movies where like water gets on the lens and like that kind of stuff where it's very tactile uh, you don't see a ton of like uh tactile science fiction movies i feel yeah i mean i and yeah. then and then the the like seven and a half minute one shot where they're trying to like get um the pregnant woman to the water mm -hmm. uh but then there's like a uh it's a war zone that they like have to cross through and he's barefoot and i just or no he's like in sandals yeah and the, uh, it's just so beautiful and then how like there's a momentary ceasefire and the circumstances under that ceasefire is just it's the most like i tear up every single time and i and I can't say that for any other movie that I can think of at any part, you know? Yeah. It's just so gorgeous. Yeah, I think the, the world building in the movie is also incredibly well done. The comments on kind of the government's provision of suicide medication and all these things going on behind the scenes of what would actually be happening if this were to take place without making it all about the world itself, but about the central story is incredibly well put together. Yeah, and I think a lot of people around the time that um, Brexit happened, a lot of people were talking about this movie again. 
Um, because this movie, the way immigration is depicted is very, at the time it came out, I think was very outland, seemingly kind of dystopian and outlandish, but honestly, like the more that we see images of these like holding cells, um, in El Paso and other places, the more it's not like crazy outside the realm of possibility the conditions that we see in the movie for the refugees yeah it's always sad when dystopian satire becomes reality but um it makes it even more poignant yeah so yeah there's um there's our top five i hope that there's some some good nuggets in there or um maybe you'd seen one of those and skip past it on netflix and you're looking for someone to watch it and now you uh, have reason to watch it absolutely so. i mean science fiction is such a unique genre no matter if you prefer comedy drama adventure action or even heist movies there's a science fiction out there for you um and if there isn't you know call us up and we'll see if we can we can make something happen uh do you want to mention any other movies that you didn't get a chance to mention i want to throw a couple out here at the end that i had on my long list um, that we didn't mention. I'm taking off all the ones that I mentioned in passing, but I've got a few left. No, I think those are... I mean, I guess the the one honorable mention for me would be Blade Runner 2049. Gotcha. Yeah, we didn't mention that. I think if the, I think if they edit out 30 minutes of that movie, mm-hmm. it's a perfect film. Um, but it gets a little baggy in it. But it's visually stunning. Amazing, you know? yeah. I. Yeah. It would almost be hard to recommend that movie on like an... Make sure you have a nice TV to watch that um, because, yeah, the cinematography is definitely one of the best three movies cinematography that I've ever seen. Um, so a few movies that I had on the list that I didn't mention, Starship Troopers, Looper, Attack the Block, The Man from Earth, Total Recall, the original, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, World's End, and Source Code. Okay, yeah. wow. So those are also some, some quality movies that we can throw along there. I'm 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 firmly in Ryan Johnson's camp. Uh-huh. I don't know. I rewatched Looper maybe six months yeah. ago. I don't know if it like totally holds up for me. The time travel portion of it doesn't hold up very well at all. Um, it's not a super deep film, but it is. It's fun. It is yeah. fun. I think it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I would say Attack the Block but, if you're looking for something fun as well. That's a little deeper. I would recommend Attack the Block, which is like kind of a commentary on low-income neighborhoods and the way that they're treated by the police and society uh, in the UK. But it has to do, it uses aliens as stand-ins for like uh, outside external forces and like 15-year-olds as the representatives of these neighborhoods, and it's it's just hilarious and and terrific. Yeah, cool. Until next time, folks. There you have if it. If you have any other genres of movies you'd, you'd, uh, you're interested in or anything like that, or any recommendations for us, anything we didn't mention, please feel free to reach out. We'll be here. Hit us up. Later. Later.